I'm Carl Zelmer from Emerson Climate Technologies. Welcome to our contractor podcast, HVAC on the Air, where guests are lovely, but the host has a face for radio. That would be me. <laughs> I've been told that many times. Today, I'm joined by two great contractors, Tim Crop, president of Crop Medcalf from Virginia, Maryland, in, in Washington, D.C., and Vince Gillette, president of Gillette Air Conditioning from San Antonio, Texas. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey. Good morning, Hi, Carl. Carl. Tim, Vince, and I will be covering the subject of government regulation, near and dear to all three of our hearts. I know both of these contractors have some opinions on this issue, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad they're here to talk about it. Uh, Vince is uh, primarily on the commercial side, and Tim's more on the residential side, so I'll split these questions up a little bit. First one's for Tim. You know, Tim, what's the biggest change in terms of regulations affecting your business, such as, you know, Ready 2015 with the regional standards and 14 SEER and so forth? Yeah, well, you know, it's, it actually it's quite confusing, you know. Um, I, I know there's a point in there as to why they did it um, and how they how they broke it up in the different regions. Um, but be that as it may, that, that, that went through and, and, and we have to work with it. Um, fortunately for me in our market area, there's not a lot of crossing over in the different regions. So we, we can accept it, um, and we can work with it. Some of the other border states, they may have some, some other issues that they're, they're going to have to work through. Um, but we are, um, you know, we're, we're, we're supportive of high efficiency. We always have been. So, uh, bringing on that kind of, uh, regulation, um, was, um, not terribly impactful, impactful for us because it really didn't change us a whole lot of what we're doing. But it just it brought it to the forefront more and, and kept it on everybody's mind, uh, and it just allowed us to reinforce that we're doing the right thing and, and improving the efficiency and the and the car or reducing the carbon footprint uh, for the United States. Yeah, Vincent, on the commercial side, it looks like uh, we're besides ASHRAE ninety point one changes. It looks like we may have a. A nationwide standard, an EL1 level is called. Maybe maybe it's going to be hitting us 2018, where commercial equipment is efficiency minimums are going to be increased by about 15%. What are your thoughts on that? Well, Carl, I think the biggest change that's going to affect us with that is the added cost to the work, and you know either to comply with the new laws for our reporting of the equipment and having to report that the equipment that we're installing does meet those standards and then what we're going to have to pay for that equipment to to meet those efficiencies and so ultimately what we provide to our customers our costs are just going to go up and there's there's discussion about another level uh, another 15 percent on top of that which should be coming up in the early 2020s and and uh, so a 30 percent bump from the equipment you're uh, you're selling today you know you have to start thinking about well the new equipment is going to have more heat transfer. Will it fit in the roof hole if it's a replacement? You know, will it fit? Will it fit on a semi? All of these different things, in addition to the cost, it's going to affect how the engineers design the buildings, how we install equipment in the buildings, and I think it's going to ultimately affect the uh, longevity of the piece of equipment. You think people will be more uh, uh, fixed rather than? Uh, put new equipment on as the costs go up? I don't know that, but the trends that we've seen have been uh, more to uh, use and dispose of. So we're going to have a super high efficient piece of equipment that's not going to last 30 years. And so the the way that they build and design buildings are going to have to be 
with that in mind so that piece of equipment can be changed out quicker because the thickness of the metal is going to be less, the thickness of the tubes are going to be less, so uh, I don't believe the stuff's going to last as long. Fair enough. Let's switch gears to enforcement, this one for Tim. So in, in your area or with some of the folks in your mixed group, do you see issues in the enforcement of the uh, regulations? Absolutely, um, Carl. I, the big question is how are they going to do it? I mean, it's purely going to come to a, a manpower issue on how they're going to enforce this. I mean, the way that it's written, it's all, all nice and, and, you know, it has all these great intentions. But when you when you get put your feet on the road, I, I don't know how they can physically enforce this. It's going to be a lot of self-policing that's going to be going on, I'm sure, and working with um, – the manufacturers and your vendor partners, uh, maybe to help out with that. If everybody does their part, then um, it, it'll certainly the self policing will, will make an impact. But beyond that, and 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 um, looking to get support from enforcement from um, your um, your your counties, uh, cities, or, or what have you, I wouldn't rely on that uh, with it. So it's uh, we all need to, to self-police ourselves with the, with the best intentions of, of why it's been put in place and, and, and support it. You know, if, if you're tra- as you mentioned earlier, if your trading area is all in one region, I guess it's not much of a problem. But if you're competing in an area where you just go over the river, over the bridge, and you're now in a 13-seer in a versus a 14-seer environment, uh, there could be a lot of uh, bootlegging back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I, and there is, and, and be honest with you, I don't, I don't know a, a clear answer on how to stop that. I mean, it's, you know, if those who want to do it are going to do it, um, but hopefully um, good contractors out there are going to do the right thing and, and abide by the rules as they've been written. Vince, a similar question for you on enforcement of uh, commercial regulations, and maybe comparing the trust, trying to deal with local building codes and, and variations thereof. Well, it, it's been a challenge for us because as, as the codes change, the interpretation of those codes is left for the folks that read what it says. So there's been a lot of conflict uh, between our local city inspectors and the mechanical engineers who design based on the new codes. What we've done is set up meetings between the uh, local city inspectors and some of the contractors to discuss those codes and how we deal with those things so that we can all understand the way they're interpreting it and then have discussion on what a definitive answer might be. And it's just, it's just challenging. Particularly on a big commercial job, I could see it be a disaster where you have an interpretation and they come, come out to the job site and to sign off on it. It's like, no way. That's exactly right. And then between the different inspectors, the one reads it one way, another one reads it another way. And, uh, so we, we've, that's how we've tried to manage it is we've had meetings with all the folks together. You know, on, on the residential side, I, I don't like to say you mentioned self-policing and do you think, you think that's going to work, Tim? No, it's just high hopes <laughs> in all reality. Uh, you know, I would like to think that, um, but you know, Really, when you think of it, th- there are a lot of great contractors out there. There are a lot of honest pe- people out there. And so I- I've got to keep that faith that uh, we are going to do the right things when given the opportunity to do it. Um, and-, and, again, knowing that those who, who do want to break the rules, they're, they're-, they're going to break the rules. And, you know, it's it's just one of the things we're going to have to deal with. And But if 
if again, if we get support from the different associations, the vendor partners, and even the licensing jurisdictions in, in those areas that do have licensing, all that will help. You know, that's not going to solve the problem, but it, but it will help. I want to talk about future uh, regulations. and uh, It's a little bit uh, murky in terms of what is being discussed at, at this juncture, but we can bet that in the early 2020s will be uh, energy uh, minimum energy efficiency increases for both res and commercial. And on top of that, there's going to be a refrigerant change at that point in time to probably uh, more R32-based uh, equipment. Uh, any, any thoughts you see uh, in, in that arena on, re- on the residential side, Tim? Yeah, well, as you said, it's it's coming. You know, there's there's no way to stop it. It's it's going to continue. Um, that's what kind of makes it fun at times. You know, is you get the new challenges that are, that you're going to be faced, um, and you, you you know you you again want to do your part to try to help uh, reduce that carbon footprint as much as possible. Some of the areas that I, I see are going to be in particular problem from a residential standpoint is going to be application. Uh, eventually we're going to get to physical sizing problems. We're going to get to ventilation problems. We're going to get to, uh, air distribution problems. There's, there's other things that impact efficiency. And, you know, just because you have a particular condensing unit, heat pump, or even a furnace that's rated at an efficiency, um, that's in a, that's in a laboratory. You, you put it out in the field. That's an entirely different ball game. And we have to look at the, the entire system. You know, if, if we really want to solve this problem and, and really want to reduce that carbon footprint, we, we need to look at the entire system. So I, I see more um, regulations coming through on uh, air distribution and uh, the uh, uh, airflow diagnostic side of, of things. So in building performance, um, which that's what our company believes is going to be coming down the road. So we're preparing ourselves in advance and, and we've really gotten involved in uh, home performance and building performance and um, taking a look at air distribution um, as, as how it affects the entire home. You know, Vince, most, uh, most of the refrigerants uh, they're looking for, say, 10, year, 10 years from now, uh, range from uh, mildly flammable to uh, A2L is called to, to flammable. I, it's, it's bad enough to have a, 10 pounds of charge at high pressure in a residential, but the type of equipment you deal with, having something that's even, even mildly flammable, there's a whole new ball game in terms of a, a public building that uh, and how, how safety is going to protect that. It absolutely is. And, you know, you put something down the bottom of a 15-story building in the basement of that that is even mildly flammable, uh, it, it, it adds a whole new level of, of what, the concerns are the equipment that you're providing. The other thing that's a little bit uh, difficult for us, we, we do design build work, we do lots of change outs, we do lots of things, and and we try to provide the very best solution for that customer. And the not knowing part for us of what the new compressors or the new refrigerants or the new systems will be, it's very hard to recommend the proper piece of equipment uh, for these changeouts today, we're just having to work with what we have and and, and hope for the best because there's just no answers. I'd say uh, probably as these technology changes take place, uh, the, the equipment manufacturer is going to have to be more uh, provide more education to to help you make those kind of choices you just talked about. That's all I had today, gentlemen. Thank you, Tim and Vince, for your time, and uh, let's have a, let's have a good day today. Sounds good. Thanks Appreciate very it. much.